Hi, this is Mary H.K. Choi, and you're listening to Hey Cool Job, a podcast about jobs. My guest tonight is Michael Arsenault, journalist, pop culture pundit, Twitter juggernaut, owner of his own tuxedo, and author of the upcoming memoir, I Can't Date Jesus, Love, Sex, Family, Race, and Other Reasons I Put My Faith in Beyonce. I'm in love with my Hi, Michael. Hello, and I'm I'm sad to say uh, I have to buy a new tuxedo because I split my pants dancing to formation. Oh my god, and it's full circle. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't. It, it like it died. Rest in peace. I think that's a sign, though, right? It's like this book, a new I, tux. I have to get a new tux. Like I definitely grabbed a, like I think I had sweet potato pie in my hand, and like, <laughs> first it was the crime mob, and then Beyonce like killed it. Right, right, right. <laughs> I love sweet potato pie as a construct. It's like here's a pie. Here's a pie. Put more starch in it. I couldn't be any countryer, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. So congratulations on your book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. Well, psh. Um, so it's out in less than two weeks and it's gotten so much early praise. You've got the Roxanne Gay co-sign, Lena Waith, and my personal higher power, Samantha Irby. But just impor- as an important, the book is, I mean, it's amazing. How do you feel right now? Uh. <laughs> I am excited uh, for people to read the book. I am terrified about how it will do. And I know everyone's like, you know, you shouldn't care. You shouldn't just be proud of the moment, et cetera, et cetera. That's cute. But um, no, I want the book to do well. Of course. Um, I have real goals with the book and I have a lot of things to prove because I think, to be blunt, a lot of people doubted me and the type of book I wanted to do and how it could do well because of who I am. And the way I wanted to talk about it. So I want to be as successful as possible to make it easier for people to come after me and just to also tell people to shut the fuck up and like, (laughs) believe me when I say I can do this. No, and actually just to break it down, you know, like I just came out with a book in March and this is like such an important time. Like you kind of get sick of your writer friends being like, please pre-order, please pre-order. But just everyone knows the weeks and months leading up to your book drop are crucial. I mean, it, it, affects your debut week sales. And so the nice thing about that is like when you drop, all those pre-orders count for that week. And that dictates a lot. I mean, it's like the the New York Times bestseller list. It's it's like so many things. Yes, I am. You know, I'm I'm I'll be, I'm trying to be on the list. Like that is the goal. Um we'll we'll see what happens, but that is the goal. Um I do know from my agent that apparently people are happy with the pre-orders over at um okay. Atria, but that doesn't mean you can't pre-order like right, 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 right now. I'll plug somebody else to pre-order. And do also, you do. I suggest my move, which is that I have the book because you sent it to me for this interview, which is great. I also pre-ordered it. And then I'm going to go to a book event and order another one there and have you sign it because I have been through this and it, it really hurts. You are <laughs> a real so one. And painful. actually, I should have brought my book for you to sign because oh. <laughs> I pre-ordered you. But I, I, we're going to fix that in the future. But yes. No, for sure. And so here's the thing. How do you get all those incredible blurbs? Like, can you share advice, wisdom, or even just like manners? Like you're from the South, etiquette lessons for how to go about that. Um, you know, I um, had a list of people that their work I respected and I actually knew them. And I just asked, like, I don't know, for me, a, a lot of my career um, so far has been kind of cr- self-created um, because I've never had access to this 
this space in media. I don't know how a lot of things work, but I do know that I'm ambitious and I will reach out to people, code email, whatever. But fortunately, you know, I've been writing for a long time and I have built relationships with people. Um, you know, I'm not like besties with Roxanne Gay, but she was familiar with my work. And, you know, I, people ask her all the time to blurb a book, but she said, you know, no guarantees, but send me the book. And then I found out she really liked it and it blurb it. Um, Samantha Irby is just somebody that I'm obsessed with and she's such a great person. Um, oh my God, her blog for years and years and years. And like, you know, Janet Mock, that's a friend, but you know, I really expect her stuff. And I knew Lena when I used to live in LA. So um, I'm very happy with the the mix of people. And I was really actually really happy that Bomani Jones blurbed it because, because <laughs> I, because, and the thing about that, I actually, actually did not ask him mm. um, initially. Uh, I didn't think he would. And that's not, that's not about him. Sure. It's, I, it's kind of like that Voltron of like everyone's sort of like people who are interested in these people's work coming together. And it might have been my own bit of small, not necessarily small mindedness, but I guess to an extent, I didn't know if like a straight guy who is on ESPN yeah, would sport blur my sport, sport, yeah. gay ass book. Like, I mean, <laughs> that being said, Belmonte was actually one of the very first people who encouraged my writing, like literally back in 2005 when I was blogging. But I just, I didn't think, and I'm really glad he did because it was like a great blurb and he wrote it very specifically in a way to like for people who thought if this if you think this book is not for you then you're mistaken so i'm just really grateful like i have a a really nice round of people um just very happy there was one person i really wanted to blurb and she said yes but busy but maybe second printing if that happens beyonce's will um yes beyonce's will be done um and that's a situation where you can't get in your feelings and you just have to like let oh, no, go, right? I actually was not um, with the person I'm talking about. I was not mad at all. I totally understood. And that's part of the process as well. Just like the grace of it. Yes. Now, there was one two responses that I got. And I was like, all right, now, all right. Just because I know them better. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're going to be this grand. But OK. Um, I, fortunately, I also have a lot of author friends who have kind of I mean, I knew this to any, be anyway. I, I, I like to think I'm Southern and polite, but to be gracious and to not take it personally, uh, it was just only one particular per Like, I was like, all right, great, Asterisk. get out my email. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone else, I just, I totally got it either way. And it sounds like you asked a lot of people, which is probably like the way to go. I had a nice list of people who I just really fucked with. And I knew no matter how it rounded out, it was going to round out. And thankfully, people kind of offered themselves after a while. I, I, I will say I feel really supported. Uh, in the midst of my crazy, but I feel very yeah, supportive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you feel like you've been doing press forever at this moment? Um, No. I think it might come across that way to other people from the outside, but I am kind of thinking I still haven't done enough, uh, mm. which is I might need to work out later in therapy or something, but <laughs> I still feel like I haven't done enough. Uh, hopefully I'm not getting on people's nerves, but they'll be all right. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I think someone told me because I had the same thing where I'm like, I feel like I'm screaming the same thing over and over again. And they're like, that's because every single... PR blast you do you know about but like maybe an eighth is getting to anyone right and so like that's kind of like a, a good rule of thumb to sort of remember so I saw on Twitter um, and for the record Michael is at young cynic um, that's y-o-u-n-g-s-i-n-i-c-k that you're working on a second book like, yes how are you even switching gears between like promoing this book and like writing because those are two very different brains I am uh not drowning totally, <laughs> but I might need a life raft. I can't swim either. Uh, so uh, I actually had a conversation with my agent earlier, like, hurry up. Because I gave myself a date and I haven't lived to it. Um, mm. So I'm trying to knock it out. But 
Um, yeah, I definitely already have a second book idea. Um, it's an extension of a New York Times piece that I wrote for the Sun Review in February. <laughs> well, I didn't mean like, well, you know, it was, it was, um, it was about my private student loan debt, which very much humbles me mm. more in more ways than I would usually like to admit. But it's an extension of that. And I just kind of, you know, I am, I will say I'm inspired by somebody like Roxane Gay. Like she gets, she gets the money. She's working. Oh, she's and, so prolific. It's wild. And I'm kind of also used as a freelancer to always be working. Um, I'll, I, I look forward to today when I don't necessarily have to work like that, but <laughs> it, I, I got to get ready for the next one. I, I finally got, I finally got a, a book deal and I want to maximize it because I've actually been actively trying to get one for several years. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. So like, I know that you are a journalist, you have interviewed people like as an interviewer, I get really impatient and kind of ego driven about certain questions where I'm like, Ugh. do you find that role reversal challenging? Um, Not yet. Okay. Um, it's actually been, well, can I be honest? I, this is all, I've actually wanted to be the person interviewed, okay, not necessarily okay, okay. <laughs> doing the interviewing, like to be blunt, like I kind of even fell into f- writing full time. Like, uh, yeah. So it's nice. Uh, I am intimidated about an interview I have next week. Okay. Not intimidated, but I'm a little concerned. Is uh, it about, like a lot of access or like? Uh, it's the fresh air interview. Uh, oh, I don't know if I could. Well, I said it, but yeah, I'm recording my interview uh, soon and I'm excited, but I'm like, that's a different level. So I actually might have that feeling next week. Um, but I've seen you on TV, so I know you'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like you. If you have that, like that muscle memory, that experience and I've seen you like when you're on, on. And so like, I feel like you'll, you'll be. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun so far. I mean, sometimes I will say when I do wish like, better questions with some people that's, that's only yeah. one thing no i get yeah i yes. no shade to people i'm grateful for everyone that has asked to talk to me very very grateful but you know as someone who does it you yeah know there are you certain do things know. that you could well you, you're just like oh you're really calling this shit, shit in today like yeah and that's fine but you know um because like also like as someone who does interviews like you really really try super hard to give like nuanced answers right but another piece of advice I got once if you start getting sort of tired of, you know, the, the Q&A that you email or whatever is sometimes it helps to just answer as if you got the question you wanted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is that's hilarious. I will remember that because yeah. I have a lot more interviews coming. But yes, I will remember that. Because anytime like someone asks me to talk about the entire Asian diaspora and I'm like, or. <laughs> Actually, that was kind of what I meant by not necessarily is that what you're going to ask? I think it's the black and gay thing, mm. um, which is I'm more than willing to talk about that. But I think some there has been some instances where the type of framing of the questions is actually kind of antithetical to the intention of the book and what I try to do. So that that part is what it, the, is the frustration. But I know, you know, we're, we're it's very few of us yes. um, who get to be in these positions. So. There's a learning curve maybe for others, but hopefully the next will not have to be subjected to those. Right. As descriptive about your entire like. Yeah. Um, So I guess on that note, like what is just an example of a question that you've gotten where you're like, wow, you are deliberately not getting the nuance of this book because your book has a lot. Thank um. I w- it's not necessarily a specific question. It kind of is just a leaning into the pathology of the book. Right. Which. There are really dark moments to the book. I think the spirit of the book is not that. But 
I I will say when people lean into that, and it's only kind of like one or two, like just kept hammering on those. Uh, it was like, oh. like, and I made a joke out of it, just like for the point, like that's not the point of the book. I'm not. I love moonlight, but I'm not trying to give you moonlight. Right. I mean, it's one of those things where, again, as a journalist, you have that experience of being like, man, you really are going for that pull quote or that SEO clickbait link for this entire interview for a book that I wrote an entire book. Um, So, yeah, the title's pretty descriptive. I can't date Jesus, love, sex, family, race, and other reasons I've put my faith in Beyonce by it now. They really wanted that subtitle. No, it's so good. It's it's like encapsulates everything. It's like the full text on it. It worked out great, but yeah, I I was like, I can't date Jesus. And he was like, no one knows what that is. I'm like, they'll figure it out, but I get the subtitles. Actually, shout out to my editor. It worked out very lovely. (laughs) Editor's useful occasionally. Um, Who is this book for? Like, who would make you happiest? To know that they have this book as a resource. Well, people like me, because the book doesn't, to me, it doesn't exist. And I think it was funny trying to sell the book. There was a comment saying the it's been done before. Um, and my agent Im- immediately went, really, where? Which was my reaction, except with a lot more um, curse words. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I, I genuinely want anyone who has struggled with reconciling what they were taught to believe who they were and actually forming that on their own, independent of like that kind of indoctrination. Sure. But I do want, you know, there's some black queer boy um, or girl who doesn't have, and particularly they're black who doesn't have something like this. Um, It's very easy to find books and films and shows where it talks about how awful it is to be you. And it can be very challenging. It's very challenging for many of us. If you are marginalized in this country, you deal with challenges, but not necessarily with, it's not dealt with necessarily humor. Um, And I just really, you know, it's very super self Sunday of me, but I want to be a light no matter how I'm feeling. I've I've had weak moments even this week. Um, But I think my spirit is, Literally, I try to be a light and try to be kind of positive is a word that's abused to death. But you get what I mean. Oh, absolutely. I want. You don't want to lo- wallow in like anguish tourism for like voyeuristic other yeah. people, you know. And and that's kind of what, what I, I've read in your work about like the the issue you take with this like rampant pathologizing of like the black male or the black male gay male condition. Yeah. And I just. I, I I want it for people like me. Like, I want to leave something behind that I feel like will make it easier and better. Um, but I want people in general who just kind of have struggled with identity, um, who understand, like, sometimes the pitfalls of, like, being grown up, like, religious mm-hmm. or any type of related struggles that are outlined in the book or even, like, the awkwardness of sex. Like, anyone that I think... I just want all people to consume it, but I very much think about people like me. But, yeah, I think that, for me, I, I'm glad you said there's a, a nuance because I think... The the ongoing problem was this idea that because I was black and gay, that it would only appeal to a very small amount of people. So one thing that I'm actually taking comfort in so far is that different types of people are reacting to the book the same way. No, it's or, it's like any honestly for me as someone who just read I read I finished it last night and I was like, Oh my god. It's for anyone who's been otherized. Yes. Which you yeah. said it better than me. Thank you. I'm gonna use I'm gonna use that <laughs> next interview. But yes. No, and and it, and we're gonna really dig into what that means because that like that's so convenient. Like it's almost like the mean girl, like not sorority bitch, which is really reductive, but like that sort of archetypal person always thinks they're alt in their yeah. mind, and it's like that's cute. But this really is for people who have felt like they're on the outside of things. So, 
Full disclosure, um, we're both on Simon & Schuster. You're an Atria Adams, I'm an SNS, so we are um, Inuit siblings. We're cousins. Yeah, we are indeed. Um, But the thing that I was shocked by, or not, I was like, I just felt really stupid, is despite the title, I was surprised at how much you talk about religion. Like, you know, we work with, like, kind of liberal intellectual spaces, and even, like, you know, everyone's, like, collectively so, like, awoken and whatever, and it really can be the third rail to talk about like a monotheistic dogmatic God, not like spirituality or like praying to CBD, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jesus or whatever, but Catholic ass catechism God. Yes. Was it a tough sell to talk about faith in 2018? Um, You mean in terms of selling the book or? Yeah, just everything. Like were people like not with the 10 foot barge pole or we going to do this religion think, thing? I don't think religion had was mm-hmm. the challenge. I, I genuinely just think it was black and gay. Um, I think if anything, religion probably helped. And I think one thing that actually probably helped even more was that I didn't grow up in what is considered the black church. Like I grew up, I was raised Catholic. You're not like Methodist, Baptist. Yeah, so I, like, gr- yeah. I grew up Catholic. That's a very specific experience. And there are actually a far more black Catholics in the country than people even realize. Mm. Um but, you know, even growing up, like, everyone's like, yo, what? Oh, huh? Well, you're talking to a Korean Catholic whose mother is incredibly devout. And so, like, it's the same thing. Our moms it's, will get along. I know. And, you know, just being raised by women who think that hell is a real place that you can, like, set a geotag to on yes. some, like, Instagram. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. And, like, give you driving directions to. Like, that's a really s- specific experience. Like, and... Again, like you grew up in the South, being yeah. black and Catholic. Like, what was that like? Um, I just well, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I say this. Um, I just find Catholicism quite repressive. Um, and also guilt, fun. Yes, guilt. <laughs> I literally, and you are forever guilt. You feel you feel guilt and shame about everything. Like it's very hard to break that cycle. Like I need therapy on that alone in the midst of the other things that are in the book. Um, I think there's a beauty to, um, kind of reminds me of something Madonna said like a thousand years ago, but there's a beauty in um, mass and the structures of Catholic churches, like the performance of mass, it can be a bit boring. Um, as I mentioned in the book, how, you know, once a black priest took over, it be like and kind of brought in a gospel choir. It was like a nice mixing of traditions. So mass became more enjoyable in that respect. But it became longer. Uh, yeah, but that, but only like 15 minutes because Catholics are there in and out. They're so efficient. They're, they're, they're just like, let's just sing the first verse, maybe the last, yeah. and then get out of there. But it's just like catechism. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't the same as like vacation Bible school with the with like the Baptists. Um, it, it, it just was always very specific because the thing about my family, um, because they're all from Louisiana. So like that, they technically were all raised Catholic, but they all fleed the church. My mom was the only one that was still like a practicing Catholic. So uh, I didn't necessarily have a lot of people I could relate to, even talking about religion back when I was actually very religious, because you also had to deal with like the stigmas of what people thought it meant to be Catholic. Sure. Worshiping the Virgin Mary or like, why do you have all those prayers? What is that around your neck? What is the thing about the rosary? Debating people who didn't think Mary was a virgin. It's like, I, I mean, I'm like 12 when they're doing this. Yeah, the Mary Magdalene conversation alone. I'm just like, can we not? Can we not? <laughs> can we please? So, I, you know, for a while, I was always very kind of defensive of Catholicism because people put me on the defensive. And then that was even why I was struggling with being Catholic and knowing I like boys. Sure. And knowing this is just an innate feeling that is not 
well, I was hoping to shake, but you kind of just, well, I clearly lost the battle, but yes. <laughs> Blessedly. Yeah. yeah, totally. Do you have a relationship with God now and how has that changed over the years? Um, I believe in, I, and one thing I, I like that you said is one thing I wanted to kind of talk about in the, in the beginning of the book, which I didn't initially meant to have the, um, the prologue where I go back to church for the first time ever. And it yes. wasn't a Catholic church. That kind of, that just happened. Cause uh, Catholic churches don't do like homecoming type things, right? No. Um, I wanted to be honest and say, while I don't, I no longer subscribe to the religion I was raised in and kind of just by extension, I'm not really, I don't consider myself a Christian anymore. Um, Jesus seems lovely. <laughs> I am not an active churchgoer, um, but I do believe in something. And I wanted the space to kind of allow gray. Um, and that was one thing, just even the, the situation with my mom and writing about her, I wanted to allow gray. I think sometimes you, people just want to settle something very easily, but like that takes a long time, particularly like for spirituality. I will say, um, believing in something bigger than me can be very comforting. Um, not knowing what that is and almost being, and not even almost being resentful towards it after a while because it made me feel so way. So it just became a place of anger, um, kind of left a void that I have struggled to fill. Um, I still pray. I believe there's something, um, I like the ideals of Christianity and I will say the church that I write about visiting, that was the Jesus I wish I saw sooner. Mm. Um, and I think if I found a church like that sooner in life, I probably would still be a practicing Christian. I probably wouldn't go to church all, every week, but I'd probably go more frequently. Sure. Um, I like that church in Harlem, 1 Corinthians. Um, I have a, a ways to go in kind of settling my ultimate feelings about religion, or I, I guess just acknowledging that the feelings I have now are kind of just not going to change. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing that I really wanted to welcome in this conversation is just making the space to talk about faith. Cause it just, you know, I'm not like, I'm a recovering Catholic too. Like I don't believe in dogma. I don't believe in any of that, but the ways in which conversations shut down so quickly in like yeah. quote unquote intellectual spaces, I think can be like kind of on some other shit that I'm just like, you know, I also believe in ghosts and aliens. Like it's kind of the same thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's all talk about it. Um, so there was actually a point in reading this book where I had a better understanding of what this book was and there and my heart kind of like jumped and I was like wow like Michael is going all the way in like you are really funny you know Thank and you. we've read like memoirists humorists but I always do feel like it's kind of this like wry observational not surface but like it's a very managed pound of flesh and for you you were like pound of flesh, pound of flesh, pound of flesh, pound of flesh. And actually as a writer, like there was a moment where I was like, am I worried? Like, are we getting too many flesh pounds? Like, were you ever worried in the writing of this where you do recount pretty much like so many moments for yourself that you wouldn't have enough left over for you? There's actually things I left out. There's a chapter I took out of the book out of um, respect to the person that I was writing about because something happened um, related to his... Uh, the family and I just felt like it would not be respectful if I included it. Um, so there's, there are other things. Uh, mm. This is why I still have more material for other uh, stuff. Um, like you, the level of honesty in this book is super staggering. 
Thank you. Um, I really just, um, I, and I want to say about the humor thing. Um, I love David Sedaris. Um, but you know what I mean. I know right? what you mean. Yeah. I, but I also think sometimes um, the reason why I, I mean I made a joke like I'm when I sold the book. I'm like I'm David Sedaris. If David Sedaris's dad had goatee, I think the difference between me and like those type of writers, particularly they're mostly white gay men or just white men, is that um, not to uh, minimize their problems in any way, but it's um, it's different from my perspective because I'm black, working class, Southern. Like, I'm actually really not supposed to be here. And, like, you don't see me. You don't hear me. You don't read me. I'm. You don't see m- much of me in these spaces. And that's even compared to, like, other um, non-white people in media because most often can afford the sacrifices to be in media because they require the degree of sa- sacrifice. And honestly, sometimes, particularly with black people, like, even being black and middle class is a privilege. Um, it's since waned under various administrations, but that it's still a privilege. So even a lot, there are a lot of black people in media who feel foreign to me. Cause I'm like, you're like a TV black person. Like oh, I didn't exist. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I have that same thing where I just assume that because you're a POC that your parents don't pay your rent. And that's just never like that just, and it's weird too, like between like the secret trust funds and the secret, like, oh, my parents bought my apartment to just just shit that I as an East Asian person really assume like I assume everyone grew up working class and like has an immigrant story and I find out so often especially in the writing community that like you're like third generation Ivy League educated yeah and uh, I just assume that if you're yellow you're like my flavor I had to learn um at Howard how Howard is the most diverse place I've ever been because I saw so many different facets of blackness just regionally but like particularly with money um and actually meeting other people from houston at howard i hated a lot of them because they were not either they weren't really from houston proper and houston is a massive place so to not be from houston proper is yeah but or if they were they just had a different background like i recall in the book how someone said oh my god you went to you went to madison you from harlem clark and you go here i'm so proud of you right um because there's nothing like just like hanging out with like a jack and jill type houstonian (laughs) i didn't know what jack and jill was until uh howard I had no idea. Um, Just to give people an indication. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how to still describe it. Although my best friend um, was in Jack and Jill. Shout out to Andre. Um, he's not one of those, but he grew up among those. Mm. Um, I didn't know any, I didn't know what any of that shit was. And it's funny. Um, I met another writer from Howard. We didn't know that each other that well at, at undergrad, but we've since, you know, no better. Um, I remember she said she thought my dad was, like an alpha, like Greek, and my mom was like another Greek, and you know, I just came from like this upper middle class background. I guess how I talked, but I'm like, no, girl, my dad has like gold fronts, wears his hair in plaits, threatens to stab people for me, and looks like Cat Williams. Um, that's a country man, and Kabuba asked if he's gonna read. I was like, that don't read. Like he's not reading the book. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, actually, on that, like you've mentioned a couple times that your parents will not read this book, and that's something I relate to. Um, how do you find peace? My mom might. Uh... <laughs> Really? I'm, not, I'm actually not sure. I didn't send her the book, but she might. Okay. Well, I was going to say, like, how do you... Because you guys have a decent relationship from what I can hear in terms of, like, common... Like, there's been a lot of forgiveness, I feel. And... Or that there's, like, a safe space that both of you guys can sort of coexist in. And that in that space, your dad is not reading your book and your mom might. 
And I just, how do you get there where you have to be okay without that kind of approval? And how do you make space for that? Um, I actually literally yesterday mentioned in the midst of my kind of like a sadder moment. Um, on one end, like, and I love my family. They don't really get what I, what I like do and they don't get this world. I barely get it. Um, I'm very much learning as I go. So there's that aspect because like they don't understand how publishing works. They don't understand books like they're proud. But what um, and the thing about my mom, we have a decent um, relationship if I don't talk about being gay and don't. And the last time I tried to bring up the book to her, it was just a very dismissive response. And so I was like, all right, girl, we're not going to talk no more. Like and I will say I have a concern that because she comes from the space of you don't tell your business, um, my aunts are going to read the book. They, they're they very aware of it. So I wonder, will they say something to my mom and then she reads it? I, I, I will say I, I didn't duck my mom, but I felt like after the last conversation we had about the book, if that nothing I w- can do um, will change her mindset. And I'm just not a fan of having kind of useless conversations, even if it's my mom. And, and I would love, ideally, if she read the book, understood truly where I was coming from and kind of be more accepting about that aspect of my life, which is a big part of my life. That's who I am. Um, but I don't know. I actually actively question whether or not there will be a big riff based on the book mm. doing well and getting all this publicity. I don't really know how that's going to go. Um, I, I, I don't. Um, I wish I had a more definitive answer, but I have, I have no idea. Okay. Um, she'll either ignore it and just kind of keep the peace. Because the thing about me, if my mom says the wrong thing, my mom can be very, I love her, but she can be very intimidating. And most people don't really talk back to her. If she says the wrong thing to me, I will talk back. Um, probably wouldn't end well. So I'm hoping for the best, but I don't. I genuinely don't know where it is going to go. I have a book event in Houston, so I'll see. <laughs> I don't know if she comment. I haven't really talked to her about it. But yeah, I just know it's not a, she's not, she loves me, but she's not into this. Well, you actually talk about this in the book, but can you tell us here how your work in writing an article for The Root actually kind of forced your hand into coming out officially to your mother? Um, this is uh, long before um, it gets better. Um, there were two black nine-year-old boys who were report, reportedly um, killed themselves because of uh, being taunted by being gay. Nine years old. Yeah. So I wanted to write something about my experiences being, um, you know, fucked with. Um, and it was interesting, even in that editing process, I had to be clear, like, this is not a d- admitted by, like, I, I, I've, if you fucked with me to that point, we were fighting. So it wasn't like a, oh, you know, poor, I'm not trying to be dismissive, but, no, I fought you, but they they wanted to remove that narrative and kind of make me look even more pitiful. I'm like, no, it's mm. it's fucked up all the way. But I'm saying like, you fucked me to that point, and we had to fight. I was fighting you. But that being said, um, once it went live, it went um, this is pre Twitter, but it was like it went viral. It was it was on it got a lot of placements and like placements. It was passed around a lot, so I had to tell her because it was going to be on like MSN. Yeah, and yeah like- it was on MSN and then from MSN it went to other stuff and that was like our homepage. So she was going to see it. And I remember like the day of it was like splattered on the front of that oh. page the entire day. Um and my editor was very happy with the performance. Like a lot of people have read that piece. Um 
It's kind of like heartbreaking to think about how this thing that literally every writer wants is is, yeah. is such a like you yeah, know they're, complicated they're, moment for you. There are quite a few moments that are um tainted because of that. Um it's 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 continues to be difficult to not necessarily be able to talk to my family all the time about what's going on. Um because writing can be very lonely. Um, there can be a lot of struggle involved. It's such a solitary it, endeavor. Things can take longer to happen than you would like. It's it requires a lot of support. It requires a lot of inner strength, but it people like support help. And I'm thankfully I have a lot of friends and people who do care about me. But it's nice when people you your family to kind of root. Um, but that hasn't always ha- that hasn't happened. Um, like my aunt had to tell me that the book was just covered in essence. Um, and and I'm definitely not telling my mom because being in essence before writing about being gay was a problem. Um, and that actually got us to stop talking for a few months. So there have been two instances where something I've done that was kind of like big, um, brought on some tension. Um, there's no real way to prepare for the fact reality that you might just kind of be on the outs permanently. Um, and that's something I am, I've not necessarily made total peace with it, but I am aware that it might happen. Um, and I think it'll actually just be my mom. I will say the rest of her family, they do not care. They saw me on Love and Hip Hop once, so that was all they needed. <laughs> they, they were like, oh, okay. You just, they were like, you just need her to be rich and take care of me. I was like, girl, <laughs> yes, but whatever. Um, my sister will still be there. My mom will be there. And actually, I mean, my brother will still be there. I actually think my dad, like he knows I'm gay. He doesn't bring it up anymore but i well i do know for a fact that he does not care i mentioned the yeah, story yeah. in the book like he he don't care i actually think he wouldn't probably mind meeting a man one day my mom is the only challenge and i actually think on the lowest of keys if she says the wrong thing um to me and i kind of create even more distance i do know for a fact like some of my um aunts have spoken out about that before mm-hmm. about them some things she said to me when mad Aunts about that tend to speak out her, um, her sisters will usually get her together if need be which is again she's the intimidating one and yeah. she's the oldest but there have been past instances where no one on in particular who the one who told me about essence the one who's going to my book event um the one who it was it's very only it's very recent i didn't go home for christmas last year um but the year before mine actually asked are you seeing anybody and the year before that, my cousin was like, you fucking anybody? Which was very progressive. Um, <laughs> and my aunt meant to say, no, I meant you fucking anybody, but your mama was right there. But um, they're like, well, I don't want you to be lonely in New York. Right. Gotta get you find somebody. Like, they're all fine. I don't, actually don't think it'll be as bad with her family, which is kind of the only real extended family I know. Like, there are so many arsenals, but I just kind of not connected, um, unfortunately. But... My mom will probably be the only sore person if there's going to be one. And I would like to think it'll work out, but we'll see. But I'm act- but I'm as prepared as I can be mm. for if it becomes a problem. Because you cannot change what you cannot change. Yeah. I, I let go. I finally let go. I can't. She's going to think what she wants, and I have to live my life. I don't live for her. And she actually herself has said, you care too much about what I think. Ugh. Which was very freeing. Yeah. Although it's like, girl. It's like, that's so loaded from yeah. a Catholic mother. My God. Um, so you have actually said in the book, and you've said this other places too, that you refuse to code switch for a white audience. Like you actually specifically say that you don't, quote, tone down who you are to appeal to the mainstream. Why is that so important? Yeah. Like, you know, my, like, so 
you know this, but when you write for certain publications, you're you, but you... Uh, they house voice you. Yes. Yeah. Um, so sometimes there's back and forth with like edits, but I was not going to um, tamper. Like th- literally I've been waiting for this opportunity for a long time and I really wanted to be myself. And I knew this was like my first real and biggest opportunity to sound, talk and exact be exactly as I wanted to be. And I think the problem initially with trying to get the book sold was that um, it was a lot of like, you're cute, but I don't want to fuck. Um, that's usually how I describe it because I'm just vulgar. But um, <laughs> it would be people would be like, oh, I really um, like you. Like two hour meetings. Oh, you're so great. I love this. Blah, blah, blah. Go back to my agent. Yeah, he's great, but change everything about that. I just think one house wanted me to be the Bernie Sanders of sissies. Another wanted me to be like ta Coates. Another wanted me to just kind of lean more on like talking about, excuse me, race. And when people say race, they mean racism. Of course. They want me to talk about racism. They want me to talk, fixate on how white people treat black people and how I'm so fixated and obsessed with it and have to deal with it. Well, right. Because basically, like, not to be like all white editors, but like a lot of editors or a lot of the decision makers in power, like, like a certain type of essay. Like I was talking about this um, on Twitter and actually in a panel I gave because I read um, this like young woke Asian person's tweet and they were like, yo, can I please read an essay about coming up in America that isn't about your stinky ass Asian food and how you got made fun of? And I'm like, it's true. They love that essay. I've written one. Everyone I know has written one. And it just becomes that thing that everyone does every four to six months in like 12 publications. Sorry, white people, but you like to center yourselves a lot and you make everything (laughs) about you and you assume we're all obsessed with you and... So on that front, I just like I have one chapter where I talk about sexual sexual racism, but it literally was in, it within the context of I am so sick of people asking me to write about some essay about white pe- a white man not wanting to fuck me. I- Actually, I have a quote from that particular chapter because it's incredible. It's called the Pink Print, and you're talking about sexual racism, and you say, "I am sick of reading and watching black men complain about white men not wanting them sexually." I loathe the immediate assumption that I care that much about whether or not white men find me sexually attractive. You would think that Martin Luther King had a dream that one day a black dick and a pink dick would sword fight and then finish all over the rainbow flag. And I was dying. (laughs) Where were you at that you were like, okay, I'm going to write this essay and it's going to my fucking book. I, uh, I responded for a work about some short piece and kind of argued the same thing, but I didn't really get to say everything I was feeling. So I definitely use the book as an opportunity to like get my entire, like all of my feelings out about that. And then, so it was, I just wanted to not fixate on how white people would respond on that front. But on the other thing I wanted, I'm Southern and black. I'm very much from Houston, Texas. I wanted to talk the way that I talk and the same way I read every type of person's memoir that like the books and if i don't know something i look it up we all have smartphones now the googles work very well if i don't know what something is i can quickly check and clock back in they can do that same shit for me exactly and i I was actually happy when i don't know she got uh i don't know who it was but it was some very nice white woman who posted on instagram that she was reading my book as she was knitting a pink sweater and she said i didn't necessarily understand all of the references but it's fun because, you know, I looked some things up, but I just really liked the book. And I was like, thank you for proving my point. But the 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 idea, like, if I had let, you know, necessarily listen to publishing, 
industry as a collective, not my editor, but like they would have me change things or like take it out or like be less that to appeal to the masses. Fuck the masses. They take from black people all the time. Why? They'll find out. Like I, I get frustrated even thinking about it now, but like I wanted to be myself. Um, and I'll be honest, it made it harder to sell the book. Because it, it took you a while to sell this book. Like, you finished yeah. in, like, 2011, right? Well, I had a proposal in, like, around 2011. Um, and you know what? I will say, it didn't... It, the book is coming out when it was supposed to come out. I I, I actually totally believe that. It came out when it was supposed to come out. Um, out. It would have been a different book if I had written it sooner. I still probably would... I, I mean, I would have been proud of what that version was. But more life has been lived. Um, more experiences have been had. And I think... The cultural landscape has yeah. changed a lot. Because I was trying to sell a book back when people that just weren't, unless you were white, you were not selling a book. Oh, my, my God. And also a, a memoir of collected essays. Like, the question's always like, are you David Sedaris? No, then do not pass go. Do not collect 200. For me, too, it was like, are you Sloan Crosley? No. Well, then do not pass go. Do not collect 200. Like, and that was it. I, you know, I, and I, I've read both. I, I've read books from both of them. They're great. But why were they the only two people? It was interesting. I got compared. Me, I love Samantha Irby. Um, in an Entertainment Weekly review of Calypso, I guess the extended one online, they brought um, uh, uh, David, I believe the writer name, because he interviewed me, um, inserted my name and Samantha Irby as like, and someone else, I forgot her name, I'm sorry, as like his contemporaries, which I was actually like, and I, I remember texting Samantha, I was like, because we called it, she was like, she was like, bitch. And I was like, bitch. <laughs> um, because you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't think the book like with UGK references. I mean, they're Fiona Apple references and like the, also, the Fiona yeah, Apple yeah, quote. Yeah. But you wouldn't ex- necessarily expect. I mean, I saw that. Like, I don't think I'm like him. But I do think if you're talking about in terms of genre, I am of that world. But I don't necessarily would not think another white person in mainstream publication would immediately invoke me and somebody like samantha that does give me hope that things are slowly changing mm. but yeah and i'm really grateful to someone like samantha Irby because i i see her as like a sloan crosley type but just in but her actually voice in the same way like and no no affront to sloan crosley but like samantha Irby goes in too like you guys both on some like blog honesty shit like really come with it samantha is the goat in terms of honesty yes Uh. (laughs) no totally just everything like just there's just always so much and so like actually like while i can see taxonomically just being like yes this is comparable like there is like a different tenor like shot through and a different like mood and feeling i think to you guys's work so it's a harsher reality when you're not white yeah. and we can laugh at our shit too. Um, so, okay. I have a question just about Twitter because you are extremely opinionated and unwavering in your convictions, um, which is good because like silence is violence in times of horrible oppression and you are loud as hell. Do you have trolls online? Not really. Okay. I mean, every now and then, I mean, I've gotten a, a little Kim fan wanted to kill me. Um, as they do. Um, the stands... You know, I don't get trolls on Twitter as much. They find you on Instagram and they come for your neck. Um, that's been my experience. Um, from For why? Like, and, and trolled by who? Are we talking about like... So when I was like 25, before Ariana Huffington bought, um, this is pre-Instagram, but it's from, from as far as the trolls go, before um, Ariana Huffington bought the site AOL, I was like 25 writing for like the political section, like 
as Trump Wickley. Yeah, yeah. So it would it would be like me under like um, I don't know Harry Reid sometimes, and so I didn't realize that audience was so big, and they would find my email, they would find me on Facebook, cuss me smooth out, um, and as time has passed on, during the 2016 election, Bernie Sanders um, uh, cult members. They found me on every medium possible and let me have it. But in terms of pop culture, like Sierra fans, oddly enough, Nicki Minaj fans. Like, no, not oddly. It's like because Barbies go against Beehive. That's just like. But I love Nicki Minaj. Like two of my chapters are Nicki Minaj references. It's true. It's that, true. That, yeah, everything. Uh, we good. That's like a hot 97 interview but, with like Nicki's mocking Kim. You actually kind of talk sideways about her when you talk about like jumping on the EDM bandwagon to go mainstream. Like how is like. Oh, I mean, well, I'm I'm an honest fan. <laughs> Like, I, uh, I'm kind of low-key mad at Nikki right now because I didn't like what she said about trap and uh, sex workers. Well, as you know, I I can't get on Team Chun-Li, so that's just where my particular totally allegiance ends. I understand, just where yeah. I'm at. So you majored in broadcast journalism at Howard. How did you realize that it was not for you? At the time, you there were not, like, this these onslaught of opinions on television or like cable news it was it like was pre-Jesus and Mirror. yeah it was it, like that that didn't exist so um people in high school my hood ass high school shout out to Madison um but people, she did go to middle school where Beyonce did yeah. but I, she had just left okay fair 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 but continue continue um that uh they were just like oh you like Brian Gumble. Like, I'm not Brian Gumble. That uh, is so mean. But that's probably your only point of reference. That or Ed Reed with, like, the hoop in his earring on 60 Minutes. Like, that what I would have done. Like, I put in the book, like, I then would be Brian Gumble. I would be, like, Katie Kirk with a dick. But the thing is, like, I'm not, like, hi, this is Michael Arsenal with the local news. And then work my way up. And then by then, I couldn't even really, like, be myself. Because I am really opinionated. Um, uh, Yeah, but that wasn't possible. So I kind of just fell into writing, to be honest. I let a little bit of my insecurities about um my appearance. Like, I think I'm handsome, but... You know, it, you're totally handsome. Thank you, but it just was like, um, like skin stuff, or like I didn't buy Hollywood well, just teeth yet. People My, think you're Dominican. Like, what do you uh, mean they, skin I stuff? have, I have, le- I have learned to say, uh, "Yo soy Dominican." No, soy Dominicano. I had to learn to say that because, <laughs> um, no, I just like. Well, this is so ridiculous, but like I had braces. Then my wisdom teeth came in. Knocked all that shit out. Um, defeated the purpose. That so, is so cruel. So I could definitely, you know, I'm I'm gonna spring these up probably next year. Whatever. Um, just little things like that. Things that should not have bothered me as much as they did. They well, did. And I was just kind of wrestling with a lot of other stuff. And then I kind of just fell into writing because I felt like if nothing else, I could be more opinionated. I could just say what I wanted to say in a way that I couldn't do it as like a news anchor. Um, and th- like there was no Jesus and Mero. Um. And how many times have you been on that show? I was uh, three. So you were the Alec Baldwin to SNL of Jesus and Mero. You you were the, the the most. The brand is strong. The brand I, is that's I love Jesus and Mero. Um, it's so funny. I was in New Orleans and someone stopped me. And was like, I know you. Do you? <laughs> you on Jesus and Mero? And because normally if I'm uptown, they'd be like De Seuss. I'm like, that's not his name, but you got it. <laughs> She's like, I like. She's like, I liked, and I like that they have you on, have had you on so much because you know you're a little gay, and I was like, yes, ma'am, I am. Well, she, they're, they're all about sex positivity in the bodega high. The thing about what I love most about them, despite just like admiring them so much, is it reminds me that because um, Janet, my gosh, she says this most, like you work really good with men. I was like, do I? But if I'm around um, secure men, secure straight men, 
I'm fine. Like, oh, you guys are hilarious. Yeah, yeah because they're secure. Mm-hmm. That wasn't always my experience. Like, it, it, usually that could have went another way. Like in high school, middle school, that could, you know, could have been a fight or something. Um, <laughs> but when you're secure, it works. So, because um, I, I, I didn't realize, because Jim was like, yeah, you, you just have a lot of male energy. No, I was, true. I was like, okay, um, yes, ma'am. Uh, no, she's going to kill me calling ma'am. But yes, um, I do exactly. love that show, though. No, we don't like, yeah, don't And they it. let me be my complete self. Mm-hmm. So you were actually just, you were picked as one of eight in Chris Rock's Comedy Central writing program. What'd you get out of it? And did you think when you got it that, like, that was it, that you were going to get a job, you were done? So I did the second year um, when it was new-ish, because Donald Glover was the first year. And right. by then he was already the golden child. He had got the 30s. He had... 30 Rock, and then he had, like, some script deal with um, Comedy Central. Um, Very nice. I, honestly, I knew I needed to get back to New York, but I knew I couldn't do another unpaid internship. Because the summer before, I did two unpaid internships and was still trying to, like, figure out how to survive and eat and do stuff. And, like, grateful to my mom, who found a way to make sure I could be there. But there was no way I could go back the next year and do that shit again. So... Literally, I applied for it. I got it, and they they gave me a check. They paid for housing, and I got to see how um, every bit of how a network works. So they had us on the Daily Show, the Colbert Report. I would have been on Chappelle if that that's, but that was the summer the shit hit the fan. Then they had us in digital. Then they had us in um, development. So I learned all around how much how all of that worked, and I just was so into it um, to the point. And I also knew from the year before. It was Blender Magazine, rest in peace. And then it was MTV right when Broadband hit. And I could just see him like, oh, this shit ain't going to work. Like, you could tell both were, like, going down. Yes. And so when I was around TV, people, I was like, oh, well, let me get on this. So when I moved to L.A., it was with the intent to get into that. And then that didn't completely work out. I think life is coming back around to that. But at the time, it, it just was not like a desert. And that's actually when I met people like Lena Waithe and Ben Jones and, like, um... Justin Simeon, who all, you know, TV money, mm, TV money. Yes. I, I'm, I'm envious. But yeah, <laughs> I just really liked the program. It was really great. And I got to, and also I didn't, I mean, I didn't think I was funny. I mean, I didn't think I was like unfunny, but like I, they, people were like, no, you're funny. You should do this. Right. Where they talk about it in like these really objective terms. Yeah. And you're like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. They were like, no, you're funny. You really need it. And then they would have people like Whoopi Goldberg come in, JB Smooth, the president of Viacom, um, Neil Brennan, like. Well, though that wasn't the best experience, but yeah, um, I learned a lot. I kind of, I don't know. When I went to LA, I just, it, it, it was fun, but it, it wasn't. But like, don't you think that everyone should live in LA and New York if they're going to be like in the arts, at least like do a I, stint in both? I think so. Yeah. Um, I will say more frequently, I want to go back to LA. Shut up. Which is very, which is very different for me because when I left LA, I, I literally still have a whole apartment in storage from six years ago, which is terrible. I would deal with it this year, I promise. But right, right. Yeah, no, I didn't want. I was like, oh, I'm done. But no, I actually want to go back. Like I went to um, meetings. Um, yeah, in you June, do, you, you do the thing where they sniff your butt and you sniff them, and you do yeah, that thing, so. those are. I I wanted to go ahead and get the ball rolling. That shit, it's 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 interesting. Um, some meetings were better than others. Others were. I the thing about like because Irby warned me, people just want to like. Oh, I just want to talk to you. They just want to lay eyes on you. That's I read the it. book. It was funny. Yeah. I don't see it as a show, but it was funny. I was like, well, girl, why I'm here? But 
lovely people. Yes, whatever. yes, yes. They just really want you to come look at their office sometimes. That's really it. That's the most LA shit ever. Like that shit ever, I would never like. Ever. I think about quality of life though. LA kind of for know, me. For I me. I, 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 I'm torn also. Because so, I'm tired of the winter. Same, very much. So, do you think you can survive in New York as a freelance writer no. right now? <laughs> you can't, right? Like, no, 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 no. Um, I'm unless over you have a trust fund. I am over this. That's actually been, to be blunt, like, um, well, I, I get if I didn't have private student loans and the way the debt is set up, I probably would. It would still be annoying. It would be less challenging for me. Um, I work really hard, um, but if you live in New York, you have that kind of debt, which, because I'm like on a 12-year plan. Mm -hmm. Like some people literally take decades to pay it off. I have private loans, so they're like, run me my money, I'm going to fuck up your life. There's kind of no in-between. Uh, and so, so that's just like straight up like garnishment of wages caliber type, just like teeth marks in yeah, every single check. Never gotten to that point. I've always, no, but in I've, terms yes, of like they each will do check. That. Like is, I could die right now and I would still owe money. My mom would owe the money. That is so heinous to me. Um, but you do. You get out there so much. I see your byline all the time. Do you pitch a lot? Like, I have no choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I I think you can make a living from freelancing. It's Well, I think you... You can do okay, I, but I think overall, the same way I felt when I graduated, when the media um, bubble happened, you which was a terrible time. At the worst. Yeah, time. that's why I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, I had the one job offer; it didn't work out. But other was than that, that, the Danielle Smith. Yes. So I, Danielle we, Smith, obviously total legend, um, was the first female editor in chief of Billboard. For um, did two stints as the EIC of Vibe. Once got accosted by Foxy Brown at a. Um, restaurant bathroom she's a legend she's a legend I unbelievable love writer but yeah you talked about how you know there was a situation she was transitioning out of that position you were like i need a sure thing because of student loans and so that was just a job you yeah take. in hindsight maybe actually no i don't want to look back no, i made i made a choice that i thought was the best at the time and, and actually on some entry level shit, like that choice is akin to not being able to take an unpaid internship where you're like yeah. i like, I have money out every single time, so... It was prefaced as, like, I might be done in two months. She ended up being there longer, but mm. then the magazine folded. Um, it was just a bad time, you guys. Like, that two, 2008, but 2009. to that point, I think now I feel that's happening again. Do and, you? Do you? Say more. Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. The, most of these outlets are still... I mean, a lot of them are trying not to find ways of not living on the advertising revenue uh, model but i don't i don't think a lot of them are going to be able to catch up in time and save themselves like i noticed most because most of these media outlets particularly the new ones with all that venture capitalist money they're staying afloat by selling t content to television they're mm -hmm. selling shows and licensing their name that's how they're going to like stay afloat it's not advertising but if you're going to do all that to sell the show, then I might as well do get into that. Yeah, totally. Let me just sell this show. Yeah. Um, so how long does it take you to write a piece like, you know, like 600 to 1100 words? Like, what's your process like? I used to be a lot quicker. Like, uh, what does that look like? Quicker? Like, well, usually it just kind of depends on it. Um, some people want like stories less than 24 hours or even like less than 12. Or sometimes they'll hit me out of the blue. Hey, can you do some like two, three hours? Um, and you have, but you don't necessarily I have, anymore. I have, um, particularly when I lived in LA and I was trying to break into TV, but doing, I would not sleep a lot. 
Yeah, I just would crank them out. I still crank them out, but it's a little bit slower. Um, I, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm exhausted, but like, um, I can get two or three, I can get two out for sure a day. Um, a day. Yeah, it hasn't been that much lately because I think... Because, hi, you have a book. Yeah, the book is like, <laughs> a lot of things are not as... Yeah, I kind of, I'll be honest, I miss just doing sometimes advertorial shit. Yeah, it's, Spawn it, Con pays, it's, man. It's easy. You make money. Like when I saw that episode of Girls when she was complaining about it, I was like, girl, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Get the check and be quiet. Sell yeah. a book. You're white. You'll be fine. <laughs> so at this point, you know, you you are an author like do you ever feel conflicted like should i pitch this and write it or should and get paid immediately ish or net 160 days or whatever or should i save this for myself and my book and how do you decide i have started um with the second book um so you're hoarding beats as already a <laughs> yeah i'm already thinking about like i have an outline i just need to crank it out completely and give it to my agent who is about to cuss me out because I told him to cuss me out if I didn't have it by the time. So it's it's I asked for it. Um, I will say now that I'm an like an an, an author, a published author, um, some things need to change, and I'm very adamant about that. Like I'm very much about like div- I I didn't get exactly what I wanted up front, um, to say the least. Um, but in, I in terms of like your monthly advance, it's, yeah, I think the way the book happened is going to benefit me in the end, but. Just the way loans are set up and like other stuff, like it it became a challenge to the point where like it kinda almost felt like writing it was like taking a net loss because mm. I could be doing other stuff. However, I knew being an author legitimizes you in a way that just articles do not. So I knew just from books and like from the book now I can be more active on the speaker circuit and getting money from that. So now I have like a speaker um person, like I do want to use the book if possible to Breaking the television, and that's just not necessarily optioning the book, but like using it maybe to get some job. Um, and now people are approaching me because they have read the book or they've heard about the book and are more respectful in what they offer in terms of like wage. But I will say, in terms of like rate, because I've done this for so long, particularly right when everything kind of like crashed and people were just trying to figure it out, and people really are trying to pay yeah. like a hundred dollars per yeah. piece. I've been over that shit. Like that's no, we're we're several years removed from that nonsense. And like people have hit me up. I'm like, get out of my inbox. Like I just like respectfully, that is not a rate I'm accustomed to. And good luck. Yeah, and actually, I think it's you know if you are, I know that Michael and I are talking about in terms that any aspiring writer now is just like, oh no, thank you. But if you are an aspiring writer, yeah, definitely don't be in the same way that you can say no to an unpaid internship. Definitely say no to things that are just insulting rates where people are asking for a fully reported piece for 50 bucks. Like I know this is really frustrating for someone who is not in that same position, but like someone has to say no. So that doesn't become the going rate for everyone. And honestly, I really enjoy writing the book. Um, It was a process. It was, it was challenging. There were some tear moments trying to get through some of the, uh, the chapters, but I really enjoyed this. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing another one. And I think for me, I just want to be more creative. Um, I want to, and I really want to create culture, not just critique it. And that's not a, a diss to anyone that does it, because I think that is an art. I think it's fantastic. But for me, again, like I fell into this kind of. So I am very much critical. I am very opinionated. However, um, 
you know, while I'm grateful to um, have made a living from just writing and giving my opinion, um, and I do think that it's, you know, cool and has been good, but I just am kind of ready for the next. And like writing this book just reminded me like, this is what you wanted and you need to push yourself. Um, but yeah, I don't, excuse me, I just always wanted to uh, create things more so than just critiquing. And I think I'm at that place where I can really now have a more opportunities to do that. And I'd rather lean into that. Oh, same. I mean, I crossed that Rubicon with this novel too. Like, I'm just like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the audience anymore. I don't want to spectate. And actually the part that really kind of got me is I don't want to levy a verdict on culture anymore. I want to create it. Especially again, like you were saying, like you don't, you don't get to be us a lot of the time. And actually to your point, I think it, it is a really sound piece of wisdom and advice for anyone aspiring. If you're ever sitting there being like, well, I get this and all these words, I, I know for sure I'll get paid this, except I'm writing all these words on spec or basically as, you know, a risk. If you're writing those words at a risk, but you're betting on yourself and you're creating something that becomes a proof of concept of what you're capable of, like that's a pretty sound investment to me, I think. Yeah. And so actually, you know, this book was a really tough sell. But the thing I love most about this book as someone who is very familiar with her writing is that I finally got this like, it's like a crystal. It's like such a pure distillation of what happens to you when you're totally free. And like, I even know your blog, but like, this is kind of like the best part of it because you started your blog in 2005, but like, this is like you like honed, you're like a laser. And like, you know, in this book, there is dating, sex, identity, body image, your father's violence, your mother's very conditional love. And the thing that really like shook me is that there's essays in this that I've never read before anywhere. Like what it's like to be gay and walk into what's seen as a cultural sanctuary for black men, the barbershop. I do think black people should honor spaces where they feel safe because we don't have that many all the time. But for me, that is like, like as, as I write, like that's not a safe place. That's not necessarily a safe space for me, or at least not traditionally. It's been a place kind of, they weren't fucking on my hairline. They were trying to like fuck with me mentally because right. they didn't fuck with gay people. Um, and sometimes you're just put in the situation where like people are just talking about it so hatefully around you. Yeah. And then you, you have this like, thing of like do i say something do i not like and that should be in the new yorker like you should be talking definitely. to like queer people and, and how they feel in a space like that um, you, like you gotta get your hair cut so yeah. many times so if you're thinking about that every single freaking time like that's just i so get my loaded. hair cut every week i am one yeah of, that's I'm what one i of mean those. but yeah um although i think my barber pre-ordered my book <laughs> 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 he added me on facebook which is hilarious um no but like that was a moment where i was just like it's that really frustrating thing where like in hindsight, it's like, oh, it's so great that this exists. But like when you are trying to sell it. Yeah. It, it, it's people kinda, don't know what to picture. They don't. Um, a lot of um, what <laughs> a lot of the things in the book, they just didn't want to. It was um, even the actual talk about sex. Um, that was interesting. Because, well, it was necessarily that, but I definitely have read um, someone tagged me in a review and she's like, she loved the book, but she took points off because it was very graphic. It was graphic. And, you know, I think some people kind of might, you know, be not okay with that. But it's interesting even like, and, and this is for um, queer men of 
of any background, you don't usually see explicit displays of sexuality kind of on TV. Like, I, you, there was something on how to get away with murder. But even, like, looking was very, like, mild um, by comparison. And you certainly don't see black queer men be as... I think, I think you usually just see maybe little spots every now and then. But if I, like, ask anybody, like, name a really hot, like, gay sex scene that you've seen on network television... Or even premium that cable. wasn't like pathologized or fraud yeah. or like well that's kind of why call me by your name was so like revolutionary it was like they have sex and it's like am- amazing and it's hot and it's moving but it is also kind of casual where they're like yeah. hey <laughs> no we're fucking and even that i'm like them white dudes uh i i want to see me i want to like where? no i mean the, the really nice thing about how graphic you are is it's graphic but again because you're a humorist it is really very sort of it captures how awkward that shit is. Yeah, thank you. And as someone, and I write a lot, the, a lot of the book is about forging your identity through an expression of sexuality and talking about the awkwardness and weirdness of sex and not necessarily knowing what to do with your body because no one told you told what to you, do. Yeah. And porn can only give you so much. And not, as I mean, I don't like porn is off and on. I, eh. um, porn I'm, is a hilarious model to model yourself yeah. <laughs> like it's just, when you're it's, new. I mean, I can appreciate it like the Tumblr, but like it's so it's so goofy to me. Like usually most porn, I'm like, whatever. Um, like I'm nasty. I could be nasty as shit, but like not porn, I'm like, whatever. But no, I wanted to, yeah, like, that was another thing I just didn't feel like I, I had access to. I haven't read that, so I wanted to like, yeah, fucking around with somebody and the motherfucker, I think brought fleas to my apartment and now I have these scars. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, one another thing that I do love about this book is that it covers so much like time so that you have a lot of first times and you have a lot of like the really deep rooted shame stuff and like the identifying of your sexuality. And then you have like, you know, the awkward moments and then you just have like thought like just yeah. out there. And that, too, is like a rite of passage, like. Early sex is really specific too. Yeah. And that can be awkward and hilarious. And so that's obviously in there as well. So you, um, you know, you talk about wanting to transition in TV. Is that, and you do, and you've mentioned earlier in this, um, in this interview that like someone was like, I don't see it as being a TV show, but, and you also said that um, you qualified by being like, this doesn't have to become a TV series, but isn't that what you want? Like, no, it is what honestly. I want. And to be fair, like her opinion was unpopular. Um, That's what I mean. Like I look at this and I'm like, okay, like this is a show. I, thank you. I wrote the book with the intent for people to read it and think this could be a show. This could be something. Um, yeah. Like how is the Issa Rae and like Larry Wilmore sort of like situation? Not like, Oh, I love Issa Rae so much. Um, but you know, uh, <laughs> Yes. Um, You're like smiling. So <laughs> Well, you know, because I'm actually, that's someone that I'm just genuinely inspired by. And I just seen her in New Orleans. Uh, and also and I like kind of, Insecure, that show is incredible. Yeah. And, and I, I was, tried to hate it because like she was throwing a little bit of shade to that Asian girl who works in her, her oh. office. And I was like, where is this going? But now, I, I, now I'm like, oh my God. Okay. And I will say that she is someone that I, when it was, um, when I kept getting these polite no's, um, people were literally just making up excuses. Uh, and don't get me wrong, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But that was like only three people that kind of was like, eh. Um, and even one of those was just kind of not so much the material. It was the idea that they didn't think it would sell. Like someone black flat out told me in so many words that white people don't care about black people and black people are too homophobic. And I rejected both those kind of like notions. Wait, 
That's actually like a devastating thing to be told. And she said it very casually over the phone. Um, well, you repeated it as if it was said casually. Which it was. Like, kind, like, it makes my... Like, she didn't flat out say it that way, but sh- that's what she that, meant. Right. And I just was I kind of like, oh, so that's what you're saying. That's and the she, kind of shit that people say and fucking forget about that the person on the receiving end of that, that is like a slam in the face that like haunts you for the rest of your fucking artistic yeah. life. And that is like On the lowest bullshit. of keys, I'm going to find that old email probably send her a book. Um, you should, because I, that's just fucked up. But, but Issa was someone that was like, try, like really trying to help me. Um, and I appreciate that just because I love Insecure so much because um, it's very specific type of LA. So it's the, LA, it's the yeah. LA that's not usually depicted. And she is so... Um, Authentic is another word that's kind of like maybe abused too much. I'm trying to use like the, the typical jargon. But like, honestly, it's just, it just, it's just honest. And I know people like having lived in LA and like some of the best people that I, the best friends I made out there were people who were from LA and they took me to like a lot of that. So I've seen a lot of what's depicted and it's so nice to be able to see that. And I just ideally want to create, um, and not just a queer version of that, but like Southern and black, something working class, something thoughtful and nuanced and complicated that can kind of tackle all of these things like that. Like then that's when I say I want to create culture. I just I just still see so many voids and particularly in television, how queer men are depicted, black queer men. I, it's, I mean, it's very lazy. I mean, it's everyone's so closeted. Yeah. And like, yeah. And while, you know, I get why people like Queer Eye, um, I, I'm, it's, I'm going to get in trouble kind of magical um magical gaze yeah i think it's sweet in tone and i, I get think it in this like it's it's a kind of like the thing that like even trump voters can get on yes it, with that intention whereas i'm like no fuck them like i don't want to be their friends they don't fuck with me they voted for like a demagogue who's made everybody not white life even harsher harder and more dangerous like no fuck them i don't want to i don't want to di- there are enough people who can get on this train. I don't need to cater to them. I don't need to pacify them. I don't need to pretend that we can all get along. We're not going to get along. Fuck you. I don't fuck with you. Th- that's it. I want to speak for something like that. I, hopefully some network just heard and like choked himself, but <laughs> they'll give me a PR person eventually if this all goes to plan. <laughs> um, but no, that's what I wanted to do. I like, and that's why I just got my smile because I love what Insecure is. Um, and I really did like even ev- something like Everybody Hates Chris, just the way it oh, depicted. when it came out yeah. too, let's not forget. Like that was like a revolutionary yeah. show. Although I think in, in, it was a little ahead of its time because well, it, sh- it yeah. shouldn't have been on UPN. Like if it was on Netflix, it would be so popping. It's true. It's true. Um, so I have just a f- final few questions. Would you want to star in no. the TV show? Are you sure? Um, I want to be on camera, but not necessarily doing that. Okay, um, fair. I, and you know what? My acting dreams died when I didn't get into HSPVA the, um, in Houston. I blew my audition. It was my parents' fault. No, I, I read about yes, it. Yes, I'm That's a, a funny thing. It's like that. you and I have hung out, um, full disclosure, a few times. And like, I'm a huge fan of yours. But I do feel Same. like I, I read the entire like owner's manual <laughs> of your of your psyche. Um, I'm so curious about how that's going to go dating-wise um, because... People are going to know a lot more about me before they actually get to know me. And I actually gave the book to a boy that I Well, you like. know what? It's that, that whole thing of like, if you go to a hookup's house and they have no books, go the fuck home. It's like, if they've read it, well, at least they've read a book. You know what yeah, I mean? That's, like- <laughs> I like that perspective. Thank you. So what do you do for self-care? Like to take care of yourself and just make sure that you're sane? Because this is like a really heady time. Um, 
I have, I'm late to sex. I'm also late to weed. Um, this is a particular strain that calms me down. It's necessary. Um, but I, it's like little things. Like it's going to the gym. It's going, um, actually I will say my biggest self-care thing recently was going to New Orleans. I needed, that was my like last calm and celebration before I have to hit the ground running and do nothing but like book promo probably for the rest of the year probably like it's it's just gonna be work 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 that is so smart actually that is a pro tip like um a girlfriend of mine has a movie coming out and she's going to italy for like a week before just to like have that for yourself like you need to sometimes take yourself out of the train like just like the the huge machinery remember who you are and then plug back in i think i don't go to i don't i don't take vacations enough and i think one thing i'm going to be doing moving forward is to give myself real breaks even if it's a weekend i go somewhere fly somewhere like make the most of that yeah get off twitter yeah oh and the thing about twitter it's so if I hadn't noticed because I hadn't really left New York in a while. Um, yeah, yeah. forget. Yeah, but I when I go home, usually I'm not online. Even like in Essence, like I popped in just to because I'm aware. I'm like it's it's great to be stopped about the book, but I also need to mention that I'm being stopped about the book to remind people like pre-order my shit. Um, but I really wasn't on Twitter, so I was missing a lot of news. The only thing I really did was go on Instagram and like post some videos of me like grinding on my homegirl <laughs> on the streets of New Orleans or like drinking or like being drunk out of my mind like my accent comes out so I'll be like hey nah hey, shit. like shit like shit like that so that was just fun um, but yeah it's just, it's just it's it, now it's more vacations the gym weed and even sometimes I just um, I, food is very comforting um, I, I try to be better so, about yeah. that but and then it's just actually putting the phone down and being with the people that I really, really fuck with um, and just enjoying the time and being present and liking the company and not having to talk about work per se. Or if I'm talking about work, they're just supportive and they're going to calm my crazy down. Um, and there's uh, every now and then, like, I kind of just sometimes like to just sit in silence. No, man. which is harder for me because my ass is all <laughs> over. But I learned to force myself to meditate. And, yeah, same, same. It's so crucial. So what is the dream as far as the way you wish your Lord Beyonce would receive this book. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and like put it out there. Like it's like the secret and shit and be like, she's definitely going to see this book, but what is your like dream scenario in, in which like how she receives it? I really am trying to figure out how I can get this book to her. I, there are ways I got to, I want that to happen because I really do want her to read it. Um, I just, I just want her to know, um, how important um, she has been to me and how necessary just in terms of me being comfortable about things about that, about myself that I wasn't comfortable with that I kind of explained in the book being from Houston. And one thing I just really love her so much and which I try to follow lead to one of your previous questions is that I know people, Oh, she's so black and blackness. I was like, Beyonce always been fucking black to me. She's been country. And I think sometimes it's more so subversive than people think um, we're excusing I Am Sasha Fierce, um, at least that half. But incorporating bounce music into an album and making those like R&B tracks, including like black queer people, not just like choreographing, including some of the stuff like there's been so many degrees of like particularly Southern blackness. Um, and she's not. And when everybody picked up the glow sticks, when Army was on the decline, she stopped chasing hits. She made people come to her and where she was. She never really kind of diluted 
what her art was. So I just know so many of these influences that maybe other people don't because they're not from Houston. But mm. just for her, I want her to just take away that, like, honestly, you've meant a lot to me. And yeah, and then I mean, we're not, I don't know if we'll be besties. I will, I will sign the NDA, but... Yeah, no, I just want her to know that she's very much appreciated and exactly why. I get why there are many reasons why people love her, but for me, that is very specific. Like, I am a gay black boy from Houston, Texas. I I don't know even still know how I'm here. I feel like I'm holding on before, like, things ideally kind of just take off. But she's inspired me in a lot of ways, and she's made me a lot more comfortable with who I am. Um, and I have loved her for 20 years for so many reasons, but, like, now that I'm at this age, I'm like, I can put it all together, like exactly why she means so much to me. And I hope that's reflective in the book. And she just will kind of like smile and feel good that someone like cares as much, particularly somebody from home. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much. This book is amazing. You have to get it. Um, I can't stress that enough. Also just order this shit. Like it'll just show up in your Kindle or whatever, like, and you'll just have yeah, it. And I, it's like really good. Company. And on paperback toy prices, like it's not even that expensive. You like, just come on. It's affordable. It's like buying me a drink, buying yourself a drink. Like, yeah. And then buy somebody else, buy your homophobic kinfolk the book. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm in love with my Hey Cool Job is recorded at Red Bull Arts New York. Special thanks to Hassan Insane, Joseph Hazen, Max Wolf, and the song you hear is I'm in Love With My Life by Phases.